Have you enjoyed it so far? Well, we're not done. They're still going to come back. But we do just have a moment that I want to share with you. So I want to just encourage you just to stay put because the finale is coming in just a few moments. But I want to just speak to you in these next moments of what this is all about as we are talking to you about beyond the manger. It was July 20th, 1969. They say marked one of the greatest historic events in human history. In fact, it was called the greatest achievement of mankind. And I was seven years old in Farmingdale, New York, where I remember watching a black and white TV as the Apollo 11 landed on the moon. And there, for the first time, a man walked on the moon, Neil Armstrong, began to walk as he got off Apollo 11. And two speeches were made that day, or two things were said. The first one, Neil Armstrong, this is one small step for man and one giant leap for mankind. But it's what the President of the United States said that day is what interests me. This is what he said, that the greatest event in human history was the planting of human feet on the moon. Now, I mean no disrespect, but I think that the President was wrong, that the greatest event in human history was not the planting of human feet upon the moon, but when God planted his feet on planet Earth became the greatest event in human history. It's when God came in a manger to Bethlehem. Heaven's feet touched Earth on that Christmas Eve. And here's what's amazing, that it all didn't, it, there was no speeches on that night, but it was just a cry, the cry of a baby. In fact, when you take your Bible and you end the Old Testament, the book of Malachi being the final book of the Old Testament, and turn one page over to the New Testament, which is the Christmas story. One page represents 400 years. That's one page that God has been silent. Men have had no word from heaven. The 400 years of silence is then broken with the cry of a baby in a manger. The cry that they were hearing that night was God for the first time in centuries. Listen to what happens on that night in Matthew chapter two. This is what it says. It says, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. Look at the starting point, the, the, the feet that landed from heaven on earth. This is what it says. Now when Jesus was born, that's the moment that heaven touched earth. God's feet began to touch this planet. I love what the great, the great English preacher Charles Spurgeon said. He said, a stir begins as soon as Christ is born. He hasn't spoken a word. He hasn't worked a miracle. He hasn't proclaimed a single doctrine. Before he mounts a throne brings and, and friends bring him presents, his enemies are already planning his death. And nothing has been done by him. That's why I tell you, like the old song says, I have a little controversy. It was a holy night, but it truly wasn't a silent night. Stuff was happening. 
Think about it for a moment. It's mind-boggling how this simple, unassuming peasant of a peasant boy 2,000 years ago in a stable in the Middle East caused such a commotion. His birthday causes traffic jams from New York City to Rio de Janeiro, from London to Manila, from Cairo to Lagos. You see that there's something is happening. How did this happen? The atheist turned Christian, C.S. Lewis, said it best, When he said these words, he says, only once in our world's history did a stable have something in it that was bigger than our whole worlds. Think of this for just a moment. Just listen. Those that are watching online, those that are here present, Jesus was born into a world, you ready for this, that he created. He was held by hands that he made exist. He was crucified by people. He knew in their mother's womb, but yet something bigger than the world was in that manger. God was giving a gift. That really is, when you ask the question, what is Christmas? Here it is, folks. This is what Christmas is. When Christmas is when God came down the stairs of heaven with a baby in his arms. Now, this is what's amazing. Today, right now, It's like it was 2,000 years ago. People today are afraid to say, Merry Christmas. You have to say, Happy Holidays. Well, I'm just telling you, every cab driver in New York City has heard me say, Merry Christmas. Why is this the only birthday we celebrate where you can't mention the name of the person we're celebrating? Cities and governments are starting to fight over whether a manger scene can be put on government property. Why is it why is it such a commotion over a baby in a manger? Why is it now that for for centuries our calendars were all were all synchronized to AD and BC at the birth of Christ and they're changing it today. They don't want to use Christ in the calendars. They're calling it BCE and CE now. Before common error and common error. And I want to say it is an error, what they're doing and what they're doing. But why? Why do we have to change Merry Christmas to Happy Holidays? Why remove manger scenes? Why get rid of Christmas carols that have the birth of Christ in it? Why change the calendar? Folks, I want you to get this. Why are people threatened by that child? Because that child is the king. That's why it's threatened by it. You ready for this? Here it comes. And kings come to take over. That's what the commotion is about. We live in a society that wants a baby in a manger, not a king on the throne. They want a pine tree decorated with tinsel and lights not a bloody man that would die for their sins on the world. We want to give Santa access to our chimney, but not God to our hearts. We want a season of the year, not a lifestyle to live by. Listen carefully. Jesus did not come to change the calendar. He came to change lives and change them today. Jesus can. Someone introduced me to this song 
a few years ago, and I want to read to you its lyrics, because this is where I think things start to go south. The name of the song was called, On My Father's Side. Listen to these words about the life and the boy of Jesus. Just a young boy in the temple one day, sharing with the doctors, they were so amazed. Never had they seen one so young, so speak so sweet. And they asked him many questions. And the conversation went like this. Here it comes. What's your name, son? And then Jesus responded, on my mother's side, my name is Jesus. But on my father's side, they call me Emmanuel. Well, how old are you, boy? On my mother's side, I'm 12 years old. But on my father's side, I am Alpha and Omega, beginning without end. Well, where are you from? On my mother's side, I'm from Bethlehem. But on my father's side, it's New Jerusalem is where I'm from. And then what is your plan, boy? On my mother's side, I'll be crucified. But on my father's side, in three days, I'll rise again and sit at my father's side. Hallelujah. He was son of God and he was son of man. But we live in a time that we get stuck on the mother's side and we forget about the father's side. Those who only know the mother's side will sing Christmas carols. But those who know the father's side will bow down and worship and say, you are the king. I was reading the story of a little girl, 10 years old, where the tradition of her and her grandmother is every year they'd go to the town live nativity. There was camels, there was donkeys, there was an actual baby in the manger. Joseph, Mary, everything was live. Live animals, live nativity. And this was her seventh or eighth year being there. And finally the grandmother looked at the little girl and said, isn't it beautiful? Look at the animals, Mary, Joseph, and the baby Jesus. And the granddaughter said, yes, grandma, it's really nice, but there's one thing that bothers me. And she says, what is it? She says, does Jesus ever grow up? He's the same size every single year. That's on his mother's side. But on his father's side, he grows up and dies for the sins of the world. That's who Jesus is. That's why we call this not just Christmas Eve on Broadway, but we call this beyond the manger. Since Jesus grows up, then it's not about the tree in your house. There's another tree we're talking about. It's called the old rugged cross. And that's what makes this so important. That's why, listen to me friends, online, in person, don't get wrapped up in what the world has to sell, that you miss what God has to give. That the giving of gifts is not something that man invented, but God started the giving spree when he gave a gift beyond words, the unspeakable gift of his son. And this is what the Bible says. In John 3:16, that famous verse, say it with me out loud. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That word gave is so important because the gave of that verse is not just given a, a savior to be born, but given us a savior to die for us. 
It wasn't just giving a baby to be born, but a savior to, be di to die for us. See, Christianity has its roots in Bethlehem and in Calvary. And at the beginning, there was a cry of a babe in a manger. And at the height, there was a cry of a man on a cross. The birth was the beginning. The death was the mission. And the Calvary cry was the God-man achieving the purpose from which he came. It was the dying cry that changes us. That's what changes everything. That's why today, listen now, that the greatest gift was not under the tree, but the greatest gift hung on a tree. Because that's when God gave. I was reading the story of a fellow minister who went to the house of a widow in the church and she was six months beyond, be, behind on rent. And those of us who live in New York City know that that will not happen before they send somebody to get you out of that apartment. And here this widow could not pay the mortgage for six months. And the church loved the widow, loved the man, that the, the husband, and they decided to take up an offering. And they gathered every, all the money to pay off that home and came to her house on a Saturday, knocked on the door, and they knew she was in there. She hasn't come out, because she knew if she came out, they'd bolt the door, and, they, and she couldn't get back in, that they would evict her. So she didn't know what to do, and they knocked relentlessly, and she wouldn't open the door. The door. Finally, they caught up with her the next day, because she did leave the house and come to church, and this is what the pastor said. When they met her at church, her explanation was this, when they said, we came to your house, but we didn't, you didn't, wouldn't answer. She said, I heard the knocking, but I thought it was the man coming to ask for rent. And here is what we forget. When Jesus starts knocking, he's not coming to take something. He's coming to give something. And that's what God wants to do today. That's the manger. The manger cry is incomplete without Calvary's cry. The manger cry was God saying, I've become like you. Calvary's cry was God saying, I love you and I've died for you and I'm coming to give you something. It's the second cry that changes our lives. Now let me close with this as we get ready to get close to the finale here. This is so important to me and Christmas is so important, not just the first cry, but the second cry. Not just that God would give us the gift of his son, but God's son would give us the gift of his life. I needed that more than ever. Because last night, as I was preparing to get ready to speak to you today and praying for you and praying for what I was about to say to you, Saturday evening, December 23rd, my 101-year-old mother went to be with the Lord. But it was amazing when I got the phone call one day before Christmas Eve. God has given me 59 years with her. And the strangest place came my comfort last night. When I kept thinking about the Christmas hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Listen to the third verse as Charles Wesley wrote these amazing words. Listen to it. He says this, Hail 
the heavenly Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing on his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Now listen to this part. Born that man may no more die. Born, he says, to pray, to raise the sons of earth and born to give them second birth. And it was that phrase that brought comfort to me of that Christmas hymn where it says, born that man no more die, which means that when Christ came and was born, he was giving the opportunity for every man and woman, every student, every atheist and agnostic in this place, giving the opportunity that man no more may die. I've got good news that my mom is alive and well in heaven today. Hallelujah. In fact, I got a text from our Pastor Carter, our general overseer, who just texted me, says, what a Christmas present for your mom that she got to spend this year's Christmas, not with you, but with your dad in heaven this year. Folks, that's why I believe what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And it says this, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then Jesus asked the question, do you believe this? Folks, I believe this today. I believe it. Christmas, listen, Christmas began in the heart of God and it's not complete until it starts to give birth in the heart of man. That's when Christmas is complete. That's why it's, Christmas is not so much about opening up presents as it is about opening up our hearts. That's what he does. What do you, what do you give to somebody? Or, or think about just a gift exchange for just a moment. What do you, if somebody gives you a gift, what's sometimes uncomfortable is when they give you a gift, but you have nothing to give back to them. And if you do, usually it's kind of a like exchange. If they give you a $20 iTunes gift cards, you give them $20 Starbucks gift cards. Just kind of an exchange, it zeroes out the account. But if, if they give you a $100 gift card to Nordstrom's, you're not giving them a $5 gift card. It's, it seems like you always want an exchange and give, give back in like proportion. The greatest gift that God gave to us was he laid down his life for us. That's what he gave to us. So what do you give back to him? Here it is. You give your life back to him. And you just go, God, here's my life. Here it is. Take me, Lord God. The gift of God to man was his son. And man's gift to God is our own sinful hearts. And God loves receiving that gift. And that's why that gift today is for you. It's for you. See, many want peace without the prince of peace and you can't have one without the other and today your life can change Jesus calls that new relationship 
to be born again. Born again. It's when God comes. And it's not a manger, but it's in your own heart. Life is changed inside. He changes you from the inside out. As we close, listen, in the annex, overflow, around the world, and right here, it's the most important question anybody could ever ask you, and it's this, have you been born again? That's not a Times Square Church question, it's a Jesus question. Have you been born again? Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor Tim? Just as you had a physical birth in a hospital or, or maybe in some other place, you need a spiritual birth. It's when God comes and changes us from the inside out. How can that happen? It's as simple as ABC. A, admitting that we're sinners. Admitting that I can't fix myself. Listen, folks, we're all broken on the inside, starting with the man who's speaking to you. We're all broken on the inside. And you can't fix that brokenness inside with a prescription, a program. You can't fix it with making promises, New Year promises. There's not a priest or a pastor, a mosque or a synagogue or a church or a cathedral that can change you. Only God can change you. That's why he came. See, Christmas is telling us as the, as, as, as the former pastor of, of, of Pres the Presbyterian Church here in New York, Tim Keller said, Christmas is telling you that you can never get to heaven on your own, but God had to come and get you to get you there. That's what it is. That's what Christmas tells us. You can't make it on your own. I can't get to heaven without God helping me. And that's what he's come to do today. And then B, believing that God did send his son to help us. To come 2,000 years ago. That he would come and live a life that we couldn't live. Die a death that we deserved. And give us a gift. Forgiveness and eternal life that none of us deserve in this place. It's incredible. If I was to ask you today, when you die, how do you get to heaven? If, if in your answer, well, I've got to be a good person, I've got to do this. Folks, then what God did to his son Jesus is the worst case of child abuse in human history. Why would God make his son go through a cross? Go through the suffering and then look at humanity and say, you got to get better in order to get to heaven. We can't get good enough to get there. We need God in our life to get us there. We need the miracle of salvation. And finally, see, confessing him as Lord. That's what changes it from a religion to a relationship. Jesus didn't come 2,000 years ago to get you to church. He came 2,000 years ago to get you to heaven. And that starts with confessing him as Lord, saying you're in charge, not just on Sundays. You're in charge every single day. You are Lord of my life. You're the boss. Today, your life can be changed. I want everybody here to bow your head and close your eyes. It's the most important decision. I want us to pray just before choir, singers, and everybody comes out. Before, as, as they're getting ready, I want the opportunity to pray with you. If you're here today in overflow, watching around the world, if you're here in this auditorium and you say, Pastor Tim, I, wanna, I want God in my life. And then some of you are already thinking this, but I'm not perfect. Here's good news. Perfect people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And you can be forgiven today. 
you can be born again. Brand new start with God today. Start a journey with God. Be born again. If you're here in this place with every head bowed, every eye closed, no matter how you got here, whether it was an invitation, whether you're at a hotel and a concierge sent you here, whether you walked by 51st and Broadway and said, well, let's go celebrate Christmas Eve at a religious place. However you're here today, maybe someone shared this with you and you're watching online and they shared the link. Today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. It's not the first cry that changes everything. It's the second cry. It's not the baby in a manger that cried. It's the man on a cross that cried, it is finished. That's the cry that changes everything. And that Jesus will come in to your heart right now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that born again prayer, I want to be part of that. Would you put me in that prayer? I'm not going to make you stand and I'm not even going to make you walk forward, but I am going to ask you this. If you're sitting in your seat in just about 15 seconds, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that born again prayer, I want God in my life. I want to, I want to go into this new year by giving him my life. Wherever you're at in this place, balcony, main floor, watching our line, overflow, and say, I want Christ in my life. If that's you right now, and say, I want God in my life, without any hesitation, every head bowed, every eye closed, Hold up your hand right now. Just say, pray for me. Put me in that prayer. Hold them up high because I want to make sure I see every hand that's up. Keep them up because I want to make sure. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50, 51, 52, 53, 54, 55, 56, 57, 58, 59, 60, 61, 62, 63, 64, 65, 66, 67, 68, 69, 70, 71, 72, 73, 74, 75, 76, 77, 78, 79, 80. Okay, balcony, hold it up high so I can see. I'm at 80. Hold it up high. Oh my goodness, okay, here we go. 81, 82, 83, 84, 85, 86, 87, 88, 89, 90, 91, 92, 93, 94, 95, 96, 97, 98. Look at that whole back row. Here we go. 99, 100, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 118 hands. Thank God for what he has done. Stand with me and let's pray together. Stand with me and let's thank God for what he's done. Come on, pray this with me out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Okay, come on, say this loud. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen and amen. Thanks so much for listening. 
We hope you've enjoyed this message and be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.